Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be going on a mission to outer space. <laughs> we're going to be kind of discussing the history of Space Mountain and all the Disney theme parks. We're joining the Space Force. Yes. <laughs> but before we get into our main topic, kind of cover some Disney news. So in following uh, Disney World's footsteps of opening in July, Disneyland announced they are going to be opening in July as well. So Copycats. it looks like <laughs> yes. So it looks like the plan is that their the shopping center there will open July 9th. The Disneyland, the theme parks themselves will open July 17th, and then the hotels will not open until July 23rd. And it sounds like it's going to be the same, you know, reservation system, uh, health screenings, temperature screenings that they're doing at Walt Disney World. So they're they're kind of keeping you know, similar precautions and a similar, uh, you know, reservation system to help limit capacity, which Disney seems to be the only theme park out of all the, you know, major theme parks across the country that are doing reservation systems, at least that I know of. And I think it is because they have so many people that go to those theme parks. Well, yeah. And of course, I mean, they are the, I would definitely say they're America's premier park. So if they make a mistake, it's going to be so far magnified above what anybody else would be. So they have to make sure that they're extra careful. Yeah, there's a couple interesting things about the the opening announcement. So one is that the hotels don't open until a week after the theme parks open. So in Disney World, not all the hotels, but like the DVC hotels and some of the other resorts are opening actually at the end of June. So a few weeks earlier than the theme parks. And so there's you know some speculation, I think rightly so, that if you happen to be staying at the hotel, potentially there'll be some sort of soft opening to the theme parks, you know, a certain mm-hmm. day. Because again, Disney's not going to be closed for six months and then just all of a sudden one day flip a switch and say, okay, everybody come on in. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm imagining like somebody's just taking a big power switch and, and flipping it up and then that's the, like all yeah, the parks movies, just turn those on. Gi- yeah, yeah. giant switches. <laughs> exactly. But it makes sense because, you know, have DVC members, have people that are your most loyal fans there because they'll be more willing that, hey, if the park's open for three or four hours and you get to come in, Mm-hmm. You know, it's better than nothing. But what's interesting at Disneyland is the hotels are opening after the parks, which I think is Disney's way of kind of making it that so only locals can go for the first week. Right. Because, uh, you know, Disneyland is much more driven on annual pass holders and much more on locals coming to the parks than, you know, people traveling like at Walt Disney World. So, you know, if you can't get a hotel now, there's there's only two hotels on Disneyland property and there's a ton of other hotels around. So it's not like if you wanted to go, you couldn't get a hotel otherwise. Oh, yeah. But if you're staying on Disney property and you're booking a Disney like vacation package, you can't essentially go until a week after. So it kind of gives the locals time to go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's part of what, you know, when Walt bought Disney World, he wanted to make sure that you kind of had to stay insular and on a Disney property. I know when we went to Disneyland, we walked to Disneyland from our hotel, which was not a Disney hotel, to save some yeah, money. Yeah, it's a couple blocks. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's very easy. There's a ton of hotels around there. But but the other interesting thing is that there is a petition going around, a change.org petition for Disney to delay the opening of Disneyland. Which So there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, this is too soon. It's not safe yet. Which I don't, at least to my knowledge, remember seeing anything around Disney World when that happened. So it's interesting that people are saying this around 
Disneyland. I mean, this makes sense, though, when you think about California as a whole and Florida as a whole. You know, California tends to be a little bit more cautious about things. They're the ones that require certain um, like paints and things to have a warning on them because they could possibly contain cancer causing agents. And, and, And with California, you know, to your point, you know, California was one of the first states on lockdown, I think. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, an initial fear that they were going to be like the next New York. And so right. with so many people being local visitors, I think they are kind of more attuned to, hey, maybe it's not, not the right time to open. Whereas in in Florida and Disney World, you have, it's people traveling. So mm-hmm. it's people coming from all over the country, from all over the world even, that again, may not have that that sense of what's going on, you know, in Florida, whereas in California, it's, it's a lot more locals and they kind of know exactly what's going on. So, so they might not want you to bring it into their community almost, whereas people in Orlando, maybe not, not so much. They don't necessarily view it that way. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it, it kind of goes to Disney opening so late. So, I mean, Universal Studios in Florida has already opened and SeaWorld has opened in Florida. I believe City Walk at Universal in Hollywood has opened. I'm, I'm not sure if those parks are open yet, but you know Disney is kind of like the latest one of the game. I mean, they're opening almost a month after Universal, and, and they're going pretty late in July. And I think it, it's a good move on Disney, and this petition kind of shows it because you know you do have some people that say, "Hey, it's not time yet," and also, I mean, there are reports that cases are spiking. I mean, I just saw a report that Florida has had a record number of new cases for three days in a row. Oh my gosh. And so there, I think there is a, a legitimate fear that if cases, you know, spike dramatically, especially in California, where they were one of the first to lock down. And I think, you know, their governor has been, you know, extra cautious yeah, on, on his opening. He's been conservative about his approach. Exactly. So, you know, if, if their cases start spiking, you could see him saying, okay, we can't open yet. So it's much easier for them just to say, oh, cases are going up. We have to delay our opening to August now versus Universal, which is going to be open for a month and a half, and then all of a sudden may have to close. So I mm-hmm. think you know, you know, Disney, they kind of said, hey, it's because we're a lot bigger. We have to figure out this reservation system, which is true because we were still no information about that. But it's also a lot easier to delay an opening than reopen and then and close then again. Back. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's interesting to, to see what happens. I mean, but by all accounts, I mean, they're, they're moving forward with the July openings. Again, we still really don't have much information on how the reservation system is going to work at either park. So that kind of all remains to be seen, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. I, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. And then, so some other news at Disney world is sports are coming back and mm-hmm. it seems like they are all just going to go play at Disney for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I mean, so. it is a beautiful facility that they have down there. I had the luxury of, um, you know, and this is years, the ESPN zone. Yeah, I was going to say years back, I coached a three v three soccer team, so I had the luxury of being able to go down there, view this facility, and and have my team utilize it. So um, it, it's a, it's beautiful. They have lots of space, lots of um, you know. They're, they have a beautiful like stadium. They, I think they do the cheer national cheers down cheer competition. Yeah, they do a lot. Too. So the, this is at the the ESPN complex, and they they do a lot of different events down there. But uh, Major League Soccer is going to be playing the rest of their season down there. So they're going to their season is going to start July eighth, and then the championship will run through August eleventh. And how they're doing it is all the teams are going to live at Disney. 
So I'm not sure what hotel they're staying at. Is, the, excuse me. Is it too late for me to join the MLS? I think so. Darn. So, so they're going to live there and they're going to kind of be in a bubble and really they're just going to play all of these games. I, I think I saw something that they're just going to continuously play games every day it's because they have like 20 some teams down there and they're finishing out their season plus a tournament. So they're constantly going to be playing games down there. And then the NBA is going to be finishing out their season and their season does not start until July 30th and actually runs until mid-October. I think the NBA finals could potentially go until October 13th and how they're doing it is they're only having like the top. So eight teams typically get in the playoffs in the NBA. So they're having the top eight teams. And then I think any teams within like two or three games. So I think there's only like 20 of the 30 teams. It's something like that. So like not every team is even going. So a lot of the teams, if you're in last place, you're just done. Thanks for playing. You have no shot of it. So if you're close, they're going to have, they're going to play out, a, a shortened season and then have the playoffs in there. So it'll be really interesting to, to see this. I'm rooting for the mighty ducks. That's basketball, right? No, that is hockey. Oh, whoops. and that's a fake hockey team that turned into a real hockey team, but then they changed their name. I don't think they're the mighty ducks anymore. Yeah. I don't think Disney owns them anymore. Right. They don't. I don't even know if I don't even think the ducks exist. I mean, ducks do exist. I mean, it's <laughs> I saw one like a week ago. So as a hockey team, I don't think I don't know if the, the I'm not into hockey as much. I'm not sure if they are still the the Ducks or not. I don't think they are. I feel like they are. I I don't know. I don't Somebody know. Any, to us and yeah, tell us. any hockey fans, let us know. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting I, that you know that that these sports teams are going down there. I think it makes sense. You know, Disney owns ESPN. They're probably going to produce. They'll probably show most of these games anyways. You know, I think this is a chance for soccer to actually be popular in America <laughs> as a national sport because they're going to be the only sport playing and for I know a there while. Are, there are so many people itching to just watch some live sports. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I think they're willing to, to, and I say this with all the love in my heart, but like they're willing to watch anything at this point. Yeah. And not that soccer is bad. Love soccer. You know, so you but love most soccer. People, you, people you've don't been feel waiting that way. for this. That soccer is the only thing on I've, television. To I've watch. been waiting for America to catch up with the rest of the world and realizing that soccer is the superior sport. Well, I think it may happen because or football. Basically, for the month of July, I think they're going to be the only sport out there because I haven't heard of, of, of baseball starting back up. I mean, they're playing golf tournaments, but that's only on weekends. But golf's not a sport; it's a hobby. <laughs> Gosh, a lot of people say that about soccer. So no, 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 no. No, I guess people don't say soccer is not a sport. Yeah, they just yeah. don't watch it. But yeah, so so you got a month yeah. here that that's, I'm just kidding. You got a month that soccer can shine in America. Yes, and it's yeah. all going to be all thanks to Disney. We're going to look back on this and how Disney revolutionized soccer in oh America. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to do that episode in the future. Um, one other thing is that Artemis Fowl is out on Disney Plus. So if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely check it out. We haven't had a chance yet, but we are definitely going to be watching that really soon. Yes. And that's like the first m- movie that Disney that was supposed to be a theatrical release that has just skipped the theatrical release and gone straight to Disney Plus. They're still talking that Mulan's going to be opening the end of July. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Ar- Artemis Files out there. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so on to our main topic this week. As we mentioned in our intro, we are going to be going to space, the the mountain in space. So discussing. <laughs> I, I don't get why it's a mountain, but whatever. Because there's, there's mountains, mountains sound in space. great. And also, like, there's Big Thunder Mountain. and Yeah, but that all came before. I mean, Matterhorn, you know, and, and we'll get into this. So it's kind of based, you know, the Matterhorn kind of led into Space Mountain. But why is it not like Spaceship? 
you know, you have spaceship Earth, which is a golf ball that you're not in a spaceship. And then when you are in a spaceship going to space, it's a mountain. It seems like it should be like like space mountain Earth and I, spaceship space. I don't know. We need to change. Spaceship cha- space. Yeah. Yes. Let's let's use that title. Spaceship that sounds space. great. Um, but I think that it, it should be like space flight or something. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems it seems strange, Space Mountain. So, but let, so let's get into the the history of it. So, as we kind of mentioned, the Matterhorn, kind of the success of that led to Space Mountain. In right. A way. So Walt Disney, whenever he, you know, whenever they were, first had the park in Disneyland, they were think he thought that really it was a family or a, affiliated park. So he wasn't quite sure what thrill rides and where thrill rides really fit in so with the success of the Matterhorn he realized that you know the thrill rides could be viable for the parks yeah and the Matterhorn opened in 1959 so it opened four years after Disneyland so again to your point you know Walt envisioned this as I mean I don't I don't want to say family friendly because the Matterhorn I mean it's still family friendly but he envisioned it more kind of like walk around attractions you had boat rides and things it wasn't anything like high thrills type type thing and so really wasn't thinking of roller coasters it was atmospheric um i know that when we watched the the one documentary on disney plus it mentioned how they used to actually have real like like mountain climbers on the matterhorn oh yeah when the matterhorn finally opened but yeah so they they eventually decided hey they need some sort of thrill ride they need a roller coaster so they did the matterhorn and you're right and they didn't just do it as like like what you see at your typical amusement park of just an unthemed roller coaster. I mean, they, they really themed it. And you're right. They had mountain and, climbers on it. They actually had the, a Skyliner that, go, I, that went through the Matterhorn and, at one point. And for anybody who might know, I'm sure that most of you already know this, the Matterhorn is a real mountain located in Switzerland. So they are... I thought you were going to say it was a real mountain at Disneyland. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. It's based on a real mountain. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they really themed this around like, like a legitimate place and they because Walt was again into that creating the atmosphere yeah and, making and for it those of you that don't know the yeti is a real monster that lives in the matterhorn <laughs> mountain so yeah so so it was it was very successful and it kind of changed you know walt's opinion on how thrill rides could enter the park and it's not like they went crazy and started making you know these insane roller coasters like at cedar point where it's 400 foot roller coasters going 100 miles an hour i mean they're still tame you know, <laughs> by, you know, all, you know, sense of the word, they're still very family friendly. Well, if they were building, you know, roller coasters that went 80 miles per hour back in the, what did you say, the 50s, I would be concerned. True, true. <laughs> so, so the Matterhorn did well. And then, so they, they decided they needed to do something else. Space Mountain, uh, that idea came into effect. And actually, uh, John Hench, who's a, a legendary Imagineer, kind of came up with the idea. But in true Disney fashion, they designed something that the technology wasn't ready for in the time. Right. So they mentioned that in the one article that I read that basically it would take a really long time just to render the track in order to make, um, you know, to make any portion of the track. So they had to wait for that technology to catch up so that they can actually build the thing and build it in a time-effective manner. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's really amazing. Like whenever you look at, Disney history and if you look at the rides I mean the the techniques they use so like this to your point I mean they're using you know r- computer rendering and things to design it they did a similar thing with Expedition Everest where it was like the first completely 3D modeled um, roller coaster ever built it's actually three separate superstructures it's you know it's one of the most complex things ever built it's why it cost a hundred million dollars and was the most expensive 
kind of ride ever built to date. So, I mean, they, they kind of have this history of doing this. You know, Space Mountain, again, kind of in, in that tradition, it, it took them a while before they could actually build it. And it actually was the first computer-operated ride hmm. ever. So what a lot of roller co- what basically every roller coaster uses today in terms of, uh, you know, computers to determine where the cars are on the track, to know when to release another car to help with the spacing. You know, before it was it was before it was somebody pushing a button and they had to know, hey, when when can the next car go? Now it's all judged by computers. You just sit there and count. Yeah, you I mean, count you, count to sixty, and then you can release well, the yeah, next and you, car. And you kind of had to watch, like you know, where the cars were on the track. So you know, now everything's computerized. But but Space Mountain was the first ride to use a completely computerized system. So they kind of invented this that something that all rides today use. So it was very technologically advanced. And so it took a while for them for it to open. And didn't the the first one actually open in Walt Disney World? Yeah, I was going to say a contrary to popular or not popular belief, but you would think it would be Disneyland because that's the original park. But the original Space Mountain was in Disney World. Right, and it opened four years after that park, so 1975. And I think you know from reading up on it and from you know some of the research, Angela, you did. It it sounds like you know when the when Disney World first opened, it it didn't open with with the opening because after Walt's death, it kind of lost steam in the company a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then after Disney world opened, they kind of realized there's not a ton of rides in the magic kingdom here. Right. And I, I think that they ran into the problem where, you know, it's a great park. People enjoy it. But if you're, you know, a parent of teenagers, what do they have to do in your park? So they had to start adding rides that the whole family's interested in and not necessarily something that's just, you know, the kids are interested in and i've seen some of those early on you know characters and costumes so they're pretty freaky (laughs) (laughs) yeah you needed something else so you needed something else and and it was and again this was very expensive so i believe it cost around 20 million dollars in your 1970s money which is more than all of disneyland cost in the 50s now again adjusted for inflation i'm not sure how that compares but it was a very expensive it's ride a bajillion dollars yes. i just did the mental calculation Billion dollars <laughs> yeah close to it i think may, maybe a little bit under that but i think pretty close we'll, jillion. we'll round up we'll round up okay but yeah so it you know it was very successful and then two years later disneyland's version opened and then you know we got them all throughout the world we can kind of touch on some of the differences but it is a very popular attraction I know it's one of, I mean, it's one of my favorite attractions. I believe it's maybe your favorite attraction. It is like my favorite attraction. But again, you know, going back to that, the naming of it, I half the time still call it um, Spaceship Earth. Yeah, you get them confused. I do. I get them so confused. And like, they're very vastly different rides. I'm not sure I should let you co-host this if you don't know the difference between Spaceship Earth I mean, Space I know Mountain the difference now, Earth. but I will say before our, like, even when we started our podcast. You're just saying that now for the listeners so that <laughs> you don't get kicked off the show. No, I know Space Mountain now. I'm good. I'm good now. But it for it took a long time for me to, to know the difference. So as Joe mentioned, a lot of the other parks, uh, you know, there's, there's certain staple rides that appear in most of the parks. And Space Mountain is definitely one of them. It's in five of the six parks. It is not in Shanghai. So Shanghai didn't want to just be a copy of all the other parks so they have tron light cycle power run instead so that's kind of the difference um that's their that's their space mountain which magic kingdom is getting their own right exactly well i I was gonna say i feel like magic kingdom gets a lot of the really good successful rides from other places because there's still room to build and it is the most visited park in the world i mean that that's kind of why so yeah so it, it was very successful in magic kingdom 
again, moved to Disneyland in 77. And what's interesting is as they've built these throughout all the different parks, they are, they are built in a somewhat connected story. So they are all kind of the, the idea behind them and, and kind of the backstory is that these are all either space stations or space ports throughout the galaxy so that the the space mountain you're riding at Disney World is not the same space mountain at Disneyland or at Disneyland Paris or at Tokyo Disney that they are all separate um, space stations and if mm-hmm. you if you go I know in I know in the Magic Kingdom one there is kind of like a graphic that shows them all so that shows all five of them kind of centered around so they kind of mm-hmm. they, they connect you know in a visual they kind of connect in this you know massive space station but so the idea is that you know they are so that's why the rides are slightly different because they're kind of you're in a different space station it's not like oh i'm in the same place even though i'm somewhere different so yeah. i think that's just re- you know really interesting that they do something like that yeah it, it is a good it's a good way to, so that people can know that it's not a carbon copy, but also can see the relation, of course. Right. And what I find interesting is, so, you know, Magic Kingdom is the first one that was built. And we'll get into some of the differences primarily between uh, the two American Magic parks. Kingdoms and and the and Disneyland, because those are the ones we're most familiar with. But, you know, Magic Kingdoms is the only one that has two tracks and is a single rider car. All of the other ones are built kind of like Disneyland, where it's you know, one track and two riders sitting next to each other. So it's interesting that they didn't just copy Magic Kingdoms when they built the other ones. They kind of built a completely different one in Disneyland and then kind of use that as the as the template for the rest of them. Yeah, I'm guessing that it has to do with just like the logistics of the ride and because you can only fit, there's two trains per, you know, per vehicle and there's three riders per car and the one in in world so that means there's there's only six riders per train but you can fit 12 riders per train in the rest of them which means you can actually just build one track and you basically have the same ride capacity so it kind of cuts down on cost because you only have to build one track essentially right you know for, for them so so disneyland was the second one and then after that you had tokyo disneyland which opened in 1983 and that one is very similar to the one at disneyland so it's a very similar kind of layout and everything to the one at Disneyland. Yeah, we got a chance to ride that when we were there. And I can't tell you, like, I don't remember the ride very much, to be honest. Yeah, it's very, it's similar to that. Yeah. I mean, we, we rode it one time and that's why, you know, when we get into kind of the comparisons, it's going to be more between the, the U.S. parks because we've we've ridden those more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but but Tokyo is, is very similar to, to Disneyland's version. Then you have uh, in Disneyland Paris, their version opened in 1995, and this one is actually pretty different because it has a a launch hill, so it doesn't have it actually launches you up the initial hill, um, and it kind of it goes outside and you're launched into the ride. So it's well, it goes outside. The launch, yeah, kind of goes out. It goes from the load station. The load station's outside. You're launched up through it like kind of a tunnel outside, and then you go into the main building with the ride. So it Ooh. is very different. I'm not 100% sure whether it actually goes upside down or not, but it does have shoulder harnesses. So it's the only one I've seen that has shoulder harnesses. So it may go upside down. I will say... This sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Check this one out on on YouTube because there is an incredible light tunnel effect in this where you go through a tunnel and there's um, kind of strands of lights that 
are twisted. So it looks like you're kind of spinning through it. It looks like the light is spinning as you go through it. It is a really interesting effect. And it's really cool. I definitely recommend viewing it. And what I will say is, you know, Paris and Hong Kong and then even Disneyland now, they have more kind of like projection mapping within the ride so they can they can project different scenes and things. So this is one of the big differences between the one in the Magic Kingdom and the rest of them where the Magic Kingdom is very dark. They just have like the stars mm-hmm. in there, but all of all the other ones they they have these projections so they can kind of shine things in there. So Paris, you know, it has it has that interesting light tunnel. There's also projections of galaxies and stars in there. Hong Kong is the most recent one to open. That opened in 2005 and that actually has physical scenery in it. Yeah. So there's actually physical pieces of scenery and it's just like meteors and stuff in there, but there's there's physical scenery in there. And then they also have kind of projections in the sky as well. And where that like kind of projection comes into effect is um, at, at Disneyland, they've had a couple different versions of Space Mountain. So they've done a Star Wars overlay mm-hmm. that was called Hyperspace Mountain. And this played the Star Wars theme song through it. But then it also had an X-Wing fight above you. So what? it used those it used the projection technology to project a star destroyers and X-wing fights as you're going through the ride. Do you it, know when how long ago this was? Well, I know it it was it it, it happened originally for some of the Star Wars events and then I know I, I want to say 2017 2018 it was around for probably close to a year. And I think that was the last time it was there. I wish we had a podcast back then. I know. <laughs> and then Disneyland has also done one called Ghost Galaxy, and then Hong Kong also does this as well. And this is a Halloween overlay where they project go- uh, ghosts. So they have these like skeleton, um, ethereal ghost figures, and, <laughs> and they they project that using the projection technology. And there's a lot of like reds and oranges projected, so like the color scheme changes. Mm. So it's it's really interesting. I, I definitely recommend if you've never written these versions of it, which we haven't, check them out on YouTube because it is interesting to see what they can do at at these other ones that have like the projections and, and the color changes to them that they really don't do. Like I, I've never seen it done at Tokyo. Like I haven't seen any overlays there and definitely not at the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, the closest thing that we got, you get to that at the Magic Kingdom is I believe they can change the stars into Because when we, we went for... Um, for, for the Halloween, the, or, yeah, Mickey's sorry, very merry. The Christmas party, yeah, yeah, they added red and green red and lights. Green lights yeah. yeah, I don't think they changed the stars, but they just add some like lighting. Well, in I there, think so. what I was saying is, I think that they, in front of the projectors, they instead of having just a plain light, they would have green and red light. Yeah. And, and it may be, it may be an issue, you know, at the Magic Kingdom, they can't have the projectors because there is two tracks, and so you probably have one track going across another one, and so if you had a projection, you may not actually even be able to see it because it looks like they project all this stuff on the ceiling. And mm-hmm. so you probably can't see it because there's probably another track above you. Whereas in the other ones where it's a single track, it, it's more open and you can see. Hmm. One other final interesting Good factoid theory. that I just want to mention is in 2009, I read this, the Space Mountain in Magic Kingdom went through a refurbishment and they added a ceiling to the load and unload area, which they said was not there before. Huh? I cannot imagine how that would look like, were you able to see into the ride then? I'm, I'm not sure. It's the They said they added a ceiling to reduce the amount of light that went into the ride. So I've, I'm very curious to see this. I have to look up pictures. If anybody has photos or had ridden the ride pre-2009 before they did this, let us know 
this is just in the Magic Kingdom, you said? Yeah, in the Magic Kingdom, they did a refurbishment. Send, send us a picture of something. I would love to see what it looked like without the ceiling on it. Like, I, I can't imagine. Is it, yeah, can you see the ride? It, it's interesting. So I thought that was an interesting factoid. If you do have a picture of something, send us an email, enchantedearspodcast at gmail.com. I was just going to say, I mean, both of us rode this ride previous to, to what did you say, 2009? But yeah, I have no recollection. I mean, I would have been like seven. Whatsoever. I don't remember that. At, before 2009, you were I mean, seven? I think the last time I went before okay. 2009 as I was like seven is we, what I was saying. We, so I would not remember. We rapidly it. age. Yes. All right. So let's get into kind of some of the key differences between Disneyland and Disney World and which one we like better. Okay, so Disney World actually has a completely different soundtrack than Disneyland. Uh, they have the Starry Orama soundtrack, so it's kind of like a, an array of spacey type sounds. They are, um, you know, they're not really united and they're kind of silly. Yeah, and Disneyland's soundtrack, it kind of has like an Incredibles vibe to it from the Incredibles movie. <laughs> well, I was I was watching videos. Uh, again, on YouTube, ride through videos just to kind of refresh my memory on some of this stuff. And I got a, a very much an Incredibles vibe to it, which makes sense because the soundtrack, the current soundtrack at Disneyland is actually scored by Michael Giacchino, who did the Incredibles soundtrack. What? Yeah. So it makes sense that it kind of has that vibe to it. Yeah. And he did, I mean, he's done a ton of different. Well, he's done a lot of Marvel movie, movies. Soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's even done video. He did Call of Duty soundtrack. So pretty cool interesting i didn't realize that has soundtrack <laughs> yeah okay. i mean every video game is a yeah, soundtrack. I guess so. yeah another thing that we've kind of already touched on is that the disney world version is super dark and the disneyland version i feel like is far more well lit it is because again it has the projectors in it there's just more natural light in the ride right and i think that so this was i think my biggest issue with the disneyland version it because the Disneyland version, I think that I could almost see where I was going more. And so when I left the ride, I didn't really even want to ride it again because I felt a little queasy. Now, I don't remember how quickly, like how soon before I wrote it, I ate, but I didn't feel too hot. But the Disney World version, it's almost like you can't see where you're going. So it doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't affect my stomach. Yeah. And it also makes it feel like you're going faster. I was shocked to see that they only go like 30 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have, if you would have asked me how fast do you go on Space Mountain, I mean, I wouldn't say like 80 because I know that's not that fast. I probably would have said 45. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I'd say probably 50. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say probably somewhere around there. So they don't. They only go 30. So Disney World uh, goes 30. Disneyland goes 32. But you're right, because it's so dark, you feel like you're going much quicker. Yeah, I was going to say, those, those, the rough speeds. speeds. Yeah, they're the rough very speeds. rough because depending on where I looked, it was a little bit different. But Everywhere it's not set- 40s. I mean, it's not 45. Right, exactly. I mean, it's it's going 15 miles an hour slower than, you know, I thought. But it is because of that, the because of the darkness and just the way the soundtrack works and everything, it, it makes it sound like and it makes you feel like you're going much faster than you really are. Right. And uh, another difference is Disney World, whenever you're going up the uh, the lift hill in the beginning, because there are two tracks, you can actually see the other train rising at the same time as yours, which I for me feels like a value add. Um, it kind of goes to that whole like space racey sort of feel. Yeah. And, and it has that whole spaceship. You actually see the astronaut outside working right, on the spacecraft and everything. Right. And I, I think that it's cool. It helps to set the... Um, I don't know. It just helps to set the atmosphere really nicely and it, it gets you kind of hyped up. So I, I appreciate that about 
the Disney World version. Right. Now, I know this blew your mind because Disney World's exterior is actually taller. So it, it is 180 feet high. Disneyland's is only 118 feet high. And so I think we both, before we researched this, assumed that that meant Disney World's was the biggest. Right. Because, but it's actually not. Yeah. Okay. So this is, yes, my mind literally dropped out of my ears fell on the floor in a puddle like Alex Mack, and then I had to pick it up and feed it back into my ears and reorient myself because okay. <laughs> because prior to this, I was like, well, of course, no wonder why Disney World is so much better because it's higher and faster and taller. And I don't know. These are all the things that I told myself. And it's not. And I was like, oh, this is all true. But it's not. So even though the building in Disney World is so much higher, Disneyland's is actually 76 feet high. The track height is 76 feet and Disney World is 65 feet high. So um, for those of you, you know, our, our, our fans that are not in the United States, that would be 23 meters and 20 meters. Right. And a so, lot of these stats, just to let everybody know, come from, there's a Mental Floss article and Wikipedia. Wikipedia, and yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, that's where a lot of this information The fantastic comes source from. of Wikipedia. Yeah, so it's interesting. And I think it goes back to, again, and this is maybe, you know, why you don't see... Disney World's version anywhere else is because Disney World has to have a much larger footprint because they have to fit two tracks in mm -hmm. there. So the track length is it's a few hundred feet shorter than Disneyland's overall, but it's not, you know, much shorter overall, but it's in a much bigger building because you're fitting two tracks in there, the Alpha and the Omega track. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, Disneyland, you can fit a taller track, a longer track, and a much smaller footprint. So it probably makes sense to your point. I mean, you're getting the same capacity, but right. you don't have as much land in some of these other parks as you do in, in Disney World. Exactly. Yeah. And another one of the other biggest differences, of course, is there's um, speakers in the car in Disneyland. So you can hear that soundtrack. Right. And in Disney World, there's speakers dispersed throughout the ride, but that means that there's kind of an un uneven ride experience you know there are some places where you can hear the soundtrack really well and then it gets further away until you get closer to another speaker so i know that you know it, it's a little bit more um consistent whenever you're riding the disneyland ride yeah so which one is your favorite now i will say i love disney worlds i love the energy tunnel at the beginning i think that's my favorite part of any space mountain and i I was originally, I think, going to say Disney World just because we had, we've ridden that one the most. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm probably still going to say Disney World. But after looking at these YouTube videos of what some of these other rides look like across the world and what <laughs> some of these overlays look like, I'm like, man, Disney World is way low, like way <laughs> low in terms of Space Mountain. Because, I mean, like hi seeing Hyperspace Mountain or the Ghost Galaxy or even Paris, like to some of the effects they have in there, I'm like, well, I don't know. Dis Disney Worlds might not hold up as much as I thought it did. <laughs> yeah, I, I am very much in the same train. See what I did there? <laughs> I did. Um, you know, it was very simple for me to say Disney World's hand down, hands down before I started doing the research for this article. But then once I started, I really had to seriously and sincerely question my judgment. Because of course, you know, I went as a nine-year-old and then I've, I've gone several times to Disney World since. We've only been to Disneyland, you know, a couple times. So we don't, 
we just don't have the, the volume to compare them um, as much. And I, but I think that if we went there and we went to some of the other parks throughout the world, we would probably quickly discover that Disney World's is the blueprint to put it nicely. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think between Disney World and Disneyland, I, I do think I like Disney World's better. And it may just be, again, because we're familiar with it the most, but I'm with you. I I think when I rode Disneyland, I do remember it it, it just felt like a rougher ride. And and again, I think because, to your point, you could see a little bit more. And so I I came off of that not with the greatest reaction, whereas like Disney World, I love riding that every time. But I'll tell you one thing. I would love to see some of these overlays because then I think think those may be my favorite. Because I will say the... The Very Merry Christmas Party was probably my favorite ride ever on a Space Mountain with with the blue and not blue Christmas uh, with the red <laughs> and, and green lights and, and being able to you know see a little bit more. It was it was a really fun ride, and so I think these overlay versions may be I may like that better, uh, some sort of overlay version than than just the regular ride itself. So to your point and. I know that when we did our our rundown of our trip to Disneyland, I know I came down personally really hard on Space Mountain in Disneyland. And looking back on that, it's it's it is definitely a little bit frustrating, not frustrating to me. I mean, of course, you change your mind on things. But I mean, the first time that we rode Flight of Passage, I got off that ride and was so ill like so ill. I felt horrible. And I was like, dude, this ride is going to give me motion sickness every time we ride it. I'm, I hate this ride. It was terrible. I mean, it was really cool, but it was terrible. And after that first ride, it never gave me motion sickness again. So, um, and it might've had to do again with the, the span of time. Before. You know what to expect. Too. Right. Right. And so now my thought is if we went to Disneyland and we rode it again and we rode that space mountain again, I don't think that either of you, you or I would probably get so sick. So I, I think that I, that I was going to say, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I got sick. I didn't feel, I didn't feel bad coming off of it. But like I said, it just, it felt like it was a little bit rougher of a ride for me. That's all. Right. No, I I completely agree. It wasn't like, yeah, I was really physically ill actually after flight of passage, Um, just like upset stomach. But uh, the other, I just didn't feel great after space, space mountain and Disneyland. But I, I still would say, I think that they're both, I mean, super solid rides. But I think the only way for us to really tell is to just go back to all of the parks. I was gonna say I want to ride them all now. That's my that's my mission. So we've ridden three of them because we've been to to uh, Disney World, Disneyland, and Tokyo Disney. So we've we've ridden three out of the five, and I think you know Paris and Hong Kong are the newer ones, and they have some pretty exciting theming to them. So those are some pretty cool ones. I think we need to to ride all of them. At yeah, some we point. can we can call this um you know this endeavor of ours Mission Space. Yeah, that's a good idea. So yeah, so I think we just uh, I think we just need to ride all of them. Agreed. All right, so I think that that wraps up the show this week. Definitely let us know what your favorite version of Space Mountain is. Right, and if you've ridden the international parks or if the international parks are your home parks, you know, tell us more about those. Yeah, let us know if you've been on any of the overlays, the the hyperspace mountain or the Ghost Galaxy version or anything. Definitely let us know. I'd like to you know, know your feedback. Do you prefer those over the, you know, just traditional versions of it? So we would love to hear it. Um, you can reach out to us on our social media channels, Facebook or Enchanted Ears or Instagram Enchanted Ears podcast. Uh, you know, definitely let us know on there. Also be sure to check us out on YouTube, uh, Enchanted Ears. We hit a hundred subscribers. So we're going to be doing a Q giveaway. Ooh. <laughs> 
Anzo did not want to give them away. <laughs> so, but we are going to be giving them away. So first prize is going to be in Aladdin and Jasmine Cuposket. And then the uh, runner-up is going to be an Ariel Cuposket. So all the information for that, we'll be posting a video on our YouTube explaining how the contest will work or uh, on our Facebook page, like I said, Enchanted Ears. You can check our Facebook page as well. We will have uh, all the information you need on that, on how to enter. It's free to enter, uh, you know, how to win. So thank you for getting us 200 subscribers. Uh, and definitely make sure... Rock. Yes, definitely make sure that you enter to win the Cuposkets and make Angela feel terrible that we're giving them away because <laughs> she can't have them. So, all right. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week and every week. Make sure you leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for lending us your ears. And we'll see you here next Monday. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.